Happy Small Business Saturday from your friends at Rock Hard Caucus. Is that actually a thing? <laughs> yes, it is. I forgot all about this. It's small a business thing. Saturday. Yeah, Everyone wants right. to say their multi-level marketing schemes are their small businesses. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the advertising to be for small, yeah, for small business Saturday. That's the ads I get. <laughs> that makes sense. Buy my Sensi, please. I'm begging yeah, you. I have so much of it. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> Well, this is our small business. Very yes, lucrative. It's not incorporated and makes no money. <laughs> Nonprofit, if you will. Has, you know, maybe a couple hundred dollars worth of expenses, maybe. <laughs> it's the assets that matter. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Human capital. When we eventually sell our episodes to Disney in a couple of years, <laughs> uh, we'll, be, we'll be sitting pretty. Well, this is our 12th episode. I think we can skip the introductions. I hope that anyone listening knows who we are at this point. And Evan won't make fun of me. I hope they for saying don't. the same thing <laughs> as I have eleven times in a row. Um, how was your Thanksgiving, everybody? Uh, we had ours yesterday, and I'm still recovering. I'm trying to exercise food demons, if you know what I mean. Ew. <laughs> Does that mean you're shitting? I'm, I mean, take it as you will. I'm not gonna <laughs> elaborate any further. How was your Thanksgiving, Natalie? I got in. I don't know how much I want to put on the podcast about this because it is family. But my husband and someone else's husband at my family gathering were on opposite sides of an outsourcing at an insurance company in Whoa. Cedar Rapids. Drag them. <laughs> in that one of the husbands outsourced the other husband's job. And I didn't realize how much resentment and shit I had bubbling up until I said something nasty about his former employer and she defended it to me and said the outsourcing company had a wonderful reputation abroad. And I just, yeah, I, it wasn't a good time. Don't do that. Damn. When capitalism hits home. Yeah. I've never had anything even close to anything like that happen <laughs> at yeah, any that's, family event. That's some like really that's bougie some sitcom, shit. Like, yeah, that's like not sitcom, but more like comedy, comedy drama <laughs> kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. like, one person lays off another person in the family, and then you have to have, like, like the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about that too. That'd be perfect. That'd be a good office bit, I guess. Yeah. It would. <laughs> I guess I'll go next. <laughs> so, uh, I have my usual small get together. I don't have a very big family, so you know we knock it out pretty quick and get together and eat, keep it light. And then I usually go watch the boys play in Waterloo. For the last twenty years, they ship out and go play the Blackhawks in Waterloo, and they've only beat them like six times in the last twenty years. And we were gonna go do that, but we bailed on it. And I'm kind of glad we did because they got fucking shit stomped. <laughs> the, the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders. Yeah. There's nothing like being in a building full of people that are really passionate about the opposite of what you want. <laughs> and like they're just like super happy about you getting your fucking dick cut off. <laughs> Can I say, I live vicariously through the team. I fucking live and die by them this time of year. <laughs> so you take it as a personal insult when they lose. Oh, fucking A, I do. Especially when there's Blackhawk fans involved. Right, don't don't you have like a personal beef with all of the Blackhawks and their fans? Yes, I do. Especially the one that I got in a fight with last year. <laughs> Alright, let me, I'll, I'll just, I'll give you the quick version of it. Um, Chuck killed a man. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> uh, there's a guy, I'll, I'll keep it short, it's kind of a long story, but there was a guy sitting on the front row. I was back behind him, like three rows. And he was very loud and obnoxious, and 
he was standing up and beating on the glass at the home players, which you usually don't do if you're visiting someone else's arena. I mean, you can if you're an asshole, but <laughs> that's not something that I would do. And I get pretty, you know, excited about things. But we were kind of like chirping back and forth at one another. And uh, I made a comment that I don't think he liked. I don't remember what it was. Uh, I was very drunk. And he was walking up the stairs. He kind of looked at me. I looked at him. We didn't say anything. And then when he was walking back, he like kind of elbowed me in the back of the head on purpose. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? Next uh, intermission, he got up again. And uh, (laughs) I was like, why did you do that? And he just kind of looked at me and didn't say anything. And I asked him for a kiss. I have a kiss. And he just walked away. And then uh, the game was very good. Very dramatic. Ended in a shootout with Cedar Rapids winning. I stood up and I'm like, he's walking up the stairs next to me. I'm fucking crotch chopping him. Like, yeah, suck my dick. <laughs> and he lowers his shoulder Generation into me. X. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He lowers his shoulder into me and fucking knocks me backwards. And like, as I'm trying to like get my balance, I fall forward in the seat in front of me, which is empty. And uh, I got up like that and <laughs> I started taking up the stairs after him. And I realized that a guy that sits down in the row in front of me, that's also got season tickets, had grabbed him by the leg to trip him to slow him down. And I chased him to the top of the stairs, and when we got to the top of the stairs, I grabbed him by his collar, I yelled at him, and I punched him in the fucking ear. And uh, (laughs) the guy that's a security guard... Yeah, so he starts to turn around, and the guy that's a security guard there uh, grabs me. Birdie's this really fucking big bastard, big, bald, mean dude. He fucking grabs me and, like, lifts me in the air and slams me against the wall. And he's like, you can't do that here. You can't fucking be getting in fights here. And I'm like, he started it, but he fucking started it. <laughs> and, that, and he's like, I don't care who started it. I kind of look over his shoulder and the, the cops that are in our section were, were standing there with the guy and they had a hold of him. And there's some people from my section that were there too telling the cops, like, he, this guy fucking instigated it. He, he started this shit. He knocked him over. And uh, Birdie's like, you fucking leave right now. So, like, I gathered everybody up, and we just, like, ran out the side door. (laughs) And the best thing is, there was a game the next night that I went to, and I was, like, apologizing to everybody in my section for it. Nice. You don't say you were a little drunk there? Oh, dude. So I went back and, like, counted how much, like, how many ounces of beer I drank. And it was, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was, like, well over a gallon. (laughs) Nice. Okay, I... I need you to know that I feel like I've been on the other end of this where a girlfriend has described to me that her boyfriend did some shit like that. Oh, Sarah was not happy at all. I said you need to dump him. Oh, dude, she wasn't happy. (laughs) Like, why are you acting all crazy at all? It's called passion, Natalie. It's passion. It's called passion. Yeah. My boyfriend got shit-faced at a hockey game and got... Hey, he started it. Yeah, he started it. This guy, what you want me to do? Started it. Oh, what? Would you be okay if your boyfriend just was like, "Oh, just I don't want to do nothing. I don't want no trouble." When he gets knocked over and like hit in the back of the head, come on. Yes. (laughs) Damn. I mean, that's what I would do. (laughs) Yeah. Cooper's never been in a fight, has he? No. Is that a question? Oh wait, he did punch a kid once in like elementary school or something. But nice. That sounds Damn. like pretty similar to my history with fights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've definitely never been in a physical altercation. <laughs> that wasn't irony. <laughs> the last time I was in like in a real fight was 
a friend of mine was very drunk and I was trying to defend him and we both got beat up pretty badly. Oh, that sucks. It's okay. <laughs> he deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't child childlike at all. <laughs> he started it. <laughs> he deserved it. He just it's like in what circumstance do people deserve to act like giant children? <laughs> we were at a bar and we were all we all drinking and shit, and like it was a uh, hip hop night at the particular bar we were at. It was one that was down the road from us that we used to hang out at all the time before I moved and before he moved. You know, he was rip roaring drunk. He was actually doing a weight loss challenge at work, and his genius idea to lose weight instead of um, you know changing his diet and exercising was to just drink bourbon or and vodka <laughs> instead of beer because he he drinks a lot, you know. And I'm like, oh fuck, that's brilliant, dude. So we've been out playing disc golf all day, and he was he was drinking. So was I, and we go to um, the bar, and it's hip hop night, and like he's in there like twerking on these dudes, like cause he's so wasted and just like fucking with people. So he's like twerking on these guys, <laughs> and they fucking they fucking circle him, and they're like telling him like fuck off, and like he's just like running his mouth and just won't stop. And like the bartender looks at me, and I look back at him, and he just motioned to me like, "Dude, go get your boy right now." <laughs> so I go over there, and I'm like, "I'm sorry, guys, he's drunk, he's drunk," and. He's like, nah, fuck you, man. Let me take my beating. <laughs> so they start beating him up. And I'm like trying to stop him. And I'm like getting hit in the fucking head as I'm doing it. And the bartender jumps over the bar to try to peel it apart. And it just wasn't pretty. The place cleared out after that because someone called the cops. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. You behaved a lot. I think that was acceptable of you. You did a good job. I don't think it was necessarily acceptable to have a brawl in the hockey <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even a brawl. I just hit him once, and then <laughs> it's not like we squared up and like <laughs> we're exchanging fists. Look, I've been I've been banned from that arena several times. And it doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> and you just keep going back. And yeah, it's just banned? well. It's sometimes it's like a different like liaison there, or like um, someone that works. For, it's usually people that work for Venue Works. Uh, there's been twice in the past where someone from Venue Works that just does like the the catering there and like they work the food stands and shit was like don't come back here uh you can't come in here anymore and i would just come back the next night or like a week later and they wouldn't say anything to me i don't, I don't know no one important has told me i can't come back yet so <laughs> plus i'm a season ticket holder god damn it <laughs> all right you guys want to you guys want to talk about politics or <laughs> we can i guess <laughs> Justin, what about your Thanksgiving? Oh, mine was... <laughs> hey, we're changing gears, Natalie. Calm down. <laughs> My Thanksgiving was pretty uneventful. The The only family member who insists on talking to me about politics mostly stayed in another room while I was at my parents' house for Thanksgiving. So. Good, we like that. No, no uh, arguments there. I don't really know who actually talks about politics during Thanksgiving. <laughs> like, I don't know. N- never in my family. Um, We talk about, like, not specific, like, politics specifically labeled like that. Like, stuff will come up that is yeah. very heavily influenced by politics that you can kind of get a, an idea of where someone's at on it just by listening to them talk. But Well, yeah. But, yeah, we never had explicit political arguments, and I always see people talking about it on Twitter. But it, I don't really know any other people I think of. Have, no, like, that shit's mostly not happening. Like, any story you see on Twitter about a Thanksgiving interaction is probably fake. I guess Justin might have a different experience. A little. I mean, I'm the only, like, really openly passionate 
leftist person in my family that like is talking about it out loud. Yeah. I have a, a very conservative older family member who likes to confront me about it in a, a joking manner, but he's really just trying to piss me off. Yeah. If I respond in any way, the rest of my family gets upset that <laughs> we're fighting. So <laughs> yeah. I mostly just try to block him out, I guess. It's kind of sad because like, I'd, I'd like to have a relationship with my family that where <laughs> 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 I can speak honestly, but I, I don't. Yeah, I've got like the, the joking, like, oh, I'm just joking, but I'm actually like attacking your political beliefs <laughs> constantly. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. I think we've That's all gotten that before. Yeah. Uh, well, I got two uh, campaign mailers from Andrew Yang this week. He's catching oh, on, I'm telling you. I, I haven't gotten anything from Yang. I've gotten some texts from him, but... That's just because I signed up for the free money that he was offering to people, and I didn't. Right. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I see from Yang is like random comments on totally unrelated stuff. That's like Yang will defend our constitution. It's like someone who is like definitely a libertarian <laughs> kind of yeah. person talking about how Andrew Yang is the only real candidate. Well, I only brought it up because the mailers say nothing about his universal basic income, which I thought was the Uh-oh. whole point. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Yeah, neither of mine did either. At the bottom of it, where uh, his website and his the social media stuff, you know, like what they do on pretty much every political mailer, it also has a picture of the little Reddit alien guy, and it says r slash yang for president HQ. So he's sending out official campaign literature with links <laughs> to his subreddit. subreddit. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> oh, man. I bet you there's a lot of good memes on that subreddit. <laughs> Andrew Yang, the meme factory. <laughs> I don't know if like the really hardcore libertarian people really like Yang too much. I think that Yang more appeals to like libertarian curious liberals. I think is sort of yeah. Uh, well, it's he's like got. even like libertarian curious um, people that are more further to right. You know. Yeah, it's it's the Ron Paul kind of phenomenon, but it's like less ideological than, or at least there isn't the major like ideological component like there is in the Ron Paul, like the hardcore libertarians. Ultimately, everyone who's hanging out there is more likely to be a Bernie supporter than not, in my experience. Yeah. Like, afterwards, but it's just wanting to be different, which is fine, you know. It's just like fringe, political fringe stuff. Wanted to feel like you were like advocating for something new, and then eventually... I don't know, which is fine, you know, it's fine. I think you're right, for sure. And it's also, I think, people that uh, don't want to feel like they're like supporting like a career politician, because Andrew Yang is certainly yeah. not. Like It's their way that they can kind of get involved with the election and like have a horse in the race, but not feel like they're betraying whatever ideology they have that makes them hate electoral politics in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, like, I obviously understand. <laughs> All right, yeah. good. I tried to make sure. <laughs> Let me just uh, check that off the list here. <laughs> uh, so, Chuck, you mentioned that you have yeah. gotten texts from the Yang campaign. We're really in, like, the the real heat of caucus season. I think we're getting texts from basically every campaign. You guys are getting a lot of texts, too, right? Yeah. I only get Bernie texts, but that's because I changed my phone number like a couple months ago. Ah, <laughs> uh, smart. Evan is pure. <laughs> a couple people I haven't gotten them from yet. I, I've only gotten one from Harris. The Warren people are pretty, they're pretty persistent. Like, I'm getting stuff from a lot of them. They are. Like, I, that's probably just because, you know, if if I hadn't given so much money to Bernie and, you know, wasn't on all of his mailing lists, like, I don't think that they would probably be trying to reach me otherwise, um... Cause I think yeah, that, you I know, think they got yeah, some like, of Bernie's people, and they're well, yeah. bothering us a lot. 
If you give more than $200 in any quarter, I think it's like you are on the FEC filing. Oh, that explains it then. That I think maybe. Yeah, I definitely have. That way. <laughs> I was wondering why it's been like, <laughs> like I donated a couple of weeks ago and like I've just been fucking getting all kinds of shit since then. It's like every day I get something. I've started sending them pictures back. I hope they can see them. <laughs> <laughs> what are they pictures of? Uh, the picture of me doing the splits. Remember that one? <laughs> I usually send them that. Uh, I sent it to this person. It says, uh, "Hi Charles, I'm Susan, a volunteer with Yang 2020. I'm so excited about Andrew Yang's transformative policies, like the freedom dividend of one thousand dollars a month for every American adult. Can he count on your support in the presidential election? I'd be happy to answer your questions." And I just replied with that picture, and I didn't get a reply yet. <laughs> Oh my god. Freedom dividend sounds like such a libertarian thing. Like It really does. Andrew Yang's <laughs> private freedom dividend reserve. <laughs> Buy your commemorative coin now. <laughs> Daddy Yang's neat bucks. I got one from uh, Cory Booker recently. Uh, hey, Justin. I did too. It's Jonah with Cory Booker's campaign here in Iowa. Who are your top two choices so far in the upcoming February 3rd caucus? And I just replied, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yep, I've gotten that one too. Not from that person, though. I've gotten that one too. Yeah. That's that's a sad way to campaign. <laughs> like, what are your choices? <laughs> Do you like me? Yes, no, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> uh, Jonah replied, good to know. Cory Booker is running for president to unify Americans to defeat Donald Trump next November. How open are you to supporting Cory in the February 3rd caucus? And I replied, not open at all. <laughs> Close for business. God, can you imagine just having to like chip away at that block of like Bernie people, begging them to say, well, I'd consider you know, caucusing for Booker if something horrible were to happen to Bernie, or Booker's my second choice, actually. Like, fucking... Just give up. Drop out. My God. <laughs> Especially like the Bernie people. Like, dude, they don't, our second choice isn't fucking Cory Booker if we've got a second <laughs> choice. Like, come the fuck on. Yeah. The Bernie people have the most durable floor. Oh, fucking and, a, they like, do. like, the most specifically supportive supporters. Like, why are you trying to pick off? Like, it's not a good investment of your time. Not at all. Yeah. Probably not. I refuse to tell them that I have more than one choice because my campaign's yeah. my candidate's going to be viable. I don't need to consider anyone else. <laughs> I should start telling them my second choice is Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, that would be so bad. Oh, don't no. like that. <laughs> In a couple months from now, hey there, this is Ronald from the Trump campaign. Uh-oh. There'll be Twitter threads like, I talked to a Bernie supporter and he told me his <laughs> <Yeah>. second <laughs> choice was Trump. <laughs> One of 45. This is why Bernie and Trump are the same. It's going to have fucking 50,000 retweets and a quarter of a million likes. Tons of replies. Oh, I can see it now. After I told Jonah that I was not open at all to supporting Cory Booker in the caucus, he said, thanks for letting us know. What issues matter most to you this election? And I said, empowering a mass movement of poor people to overthrow capitalism. <laughs> what did he say? Cory Booker likes that too. <laughs> <laughs> no, he said, okay, well, here's our economic justice plan. And there's a link. <laughs> what a fucking shrimp. I love it. Okay, well. <laughs> Let me look through the Rolodex and find an adjacent topic I can yeah. answer. <laughs> I got one from, from Cory Booker this week too, now that I'm looking at it. 
Hi, Natalie. It's Samuel. Who are your top choices so far? But I didn't respond. I feel like a lot of these campaigns know it's like do or die time, so they're just oh, emptying God, yeah. their, their chests and just going on the extreme with their uh, campaigning. Yeah, I got one from the Pete campaign a while ago, and I just said, please consider the work your campaign is doing to stall progress and resign. Nice. <laughs> I, I got no reply. Thanks for your Aww. feedback. We hope to see you at one of our <laughs> events upcoming in Coralville. Pete, Pete for governor. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Elizabeth Warren canvasser who I said, no, thank you. I'm a socialist. And then she replied, I am too. Let me tell you. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> this was before the healthcare reversal, though. So hopefully yeah. she's changed her mind as a socialist. Like, give me a fucking break. I tried to be polite and just say, no, I'm a socialist. No, thank you. And then she had to keep talking to me. So then I like laid into her a little bit. But <laughs> It's a very socialist a practice bit. to be in favor of universal health care and then not be. Like, that's the most social thing you can <laughs> yeah. change your mind on that. <laughs> I got one um, just yesterday from Warren for president again. Uh, it says, hi, Charles. It's Patty with Warren for president in Iowa. Elizabeth will be in Marion on Sunday for a town hall. Can you join us? And I just replied with no. And <laughs> they sent me a message back on like an hour later. It says, no worries. We hope to see you at an event soon. Are you planning to support Elizabeth in the upcoming Iowa caucuses on February 3rd, 2020? And I just replied, no, once again. <laughs> and they couldn't leave it be. Then I got They did it again? Yeah, they said, got it. Let me know if you have any questions about Elizabeth or want to speak with your local organizer. I didn't. I was <laughs> Holy like, <"What?"> shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, this is like, I'm not a very easy fucking egg to crack, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> not going to tell you I've even considered it. <laughs> wow. That's persistence. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, good I guess for them. Good but... for them. <laughs> I wish I was still getting texts from Delaney because I would just ask for money. <laughs> <laughs> they finally gave up on me. I had no idea Tom Steyer is why we have John Delaney. As a thing I learned this week is he gave him the money to start his health and like health company. Tom Steyer bankrolled John Delaney. Yeah, Tom Steyer used to work for like Goldman Sachs or something. Yeah, and he gave well, I mean that's his whole thing as an investment banker, but yeah, twenty five million dollars to start off with his healthcare company. Like it's a small loan for a small business to get started. (laughs) (laughs) Like. I don't know. Like we think he's a advocates the best a billionaire can be, but he's actually super evil. Well, they all are. Right. <laughs> Just want to re- remember that, even yeah. if he says the right right thing. Term limits. Yeah. Term limit. <laughs> His campaign is so wasteful too. It's like you know for the pro-environment guy it's like you're just so many glossy double generating so many carbon emissions with your computer ads and burning so many trees cutting down so many trees with your mailers huge glossy two-sided mailers i am going crazy from uh, seeing tom steyer on facebook yeah (laughs) i wonder how many servers are just dedicated to (laughs) right like speaking of just like the carbon emissions, like there's, <laughs> it's not insubstantial. I'd imagine. <laughs> How much fucking money does he spend to be every Facebook ad? It's the only thing I've seen now. Yeah. Really? I don't see him at all. Oh wow! I must be being targeted as a potential <laughs> Steyer voter. You know what I see a lot of? I was for a little while because like I started like re- okay, so it all started when I made one reply on a Pete Buttigieg post. To like someone's comment, oh, no. I just like call them stupid, and then I started getting stuff for the NRA, and I started getting stuff for Trump <laughs> 2020. Yeah, 
And I, oh, I'm serious. What? It was yes. I replied to a comment on a Pete Buttigieg ad that I received, and I started getting NRA ads and Trump 2020 ads, and I started like hiding them. Like, why am I seeing this? You know, you can like. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one thing on Facebook. If you yeah. go to like hide an ad, you say, like, "Why am I seeing this?" It's like it's because you are this age and you live here. And well, like there's a, a fucking tons of people that are, you know, by the age that live in the United States. It's so, like <laughs> I just found it really strange because I had never mm-hmm. interacted before with or never clicked on any Trump thing at all, or like definitely no NRA shit at all. I I don't know. I was kind of taken aback by it because all of a sudden it was all over my feed, and I've never seen a Tom Steyer. I I see a lot of Bernie stuff, of course, because I follow the pages. But you know, I think I got some Tulsi stuff and like some Kamala stuff once in a while. But it's by no means plastered all over the place for me. Yeah, actually, you reminded me. I posted a link to our episode where we talked about Tom Steyer on one of Tom Steyer's ads. I was nice. doing some <laughs> podcast. That's promo. probably why you're seeing it. <laughs> Gorilla marketing. Well, I was already seeing them constantly oh, okay. before that. But uh, if you comment on one of his ads, his page starts messaging you. It's like automated. <laughs> oh, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah. Computers are scary. I just kept sending. <laughs> I kept sending the same link over and over until I got bored. <laughs> I want him to listen to our show. <laughs> you might be able to get it. To like, they will do anything. We need, yeah, we need to book a fucking presidential candidate to interview. <laughs> Episode thirteen with Tom Steyer. Marianne Williamson is still out there, dude. I tried to. I know, get her on I know, the you radio. tried to get her, but I, I, you have contacts, so I mean, maybe. Well, the guy I was talking to quit the campaign. Oh, okay, dang it. <laughs> yeah, he went. Uh, her campaign manager in Iowa quit and started working for Delaney. <laughs> what a reversal. What an empty person he must be. <laughs> Jesus, tell me. Oh, all of these, yeah, political consultant class. I mean, Jesus. It's crazy. I mean, there's a lot of that, like switching back and forth between candidates. Yeah. An awesome thing is but that all of the, Kamala Harris. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Hillary Clinton, and they're so bad at it. It's just so delicious to watch. Just <laughs> chef's kiss. Yeah, I like that article that came out about her, and they were like, some people felt that their Twitter aides were being too, like, obsessive about, like, progressive, <laughs> like, they were too busy yelling at people who called uh, Kamala a, ho- a cop or whatever, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. they were just preoccupied, which is totally in line with what we've seen <laughs> from her <laughs> fucking campaign They're people. They're obsessed with it. They're over the top. It's insane. Yeah. Shout out Beth Lynch. Yeah. Okay, so the the Iowa caucus is in just about two months on February 3rd. It's time to actually talk about it on the show. It's the first part of the primary process for the nomination for the Democratic National Convention. I'm fucking up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting. It's an exhausting topic. <laughs> yeah, it's exhausting it's so to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to give us a little bit of history and context to the Iowa caucus, Natalie did some research for us this week. So, Natalie, tell us why is Iowa first? Why do we get to go first? What happened? Why are we first? It makes no sense. <laughs> Um, well, it sort of still doesn't make sense, is the thing. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> like, I mean, I know the chain of events that led up to Iowa becoming the first in the nation 
caucus state, but it it's still just kind of fucking random. Like I went into this thinking it was honestly more nefarious than it was, but really it was just a project of total chaos in 1968. Like just total breakdown of the party and like a battle for its soul that ended up with like this weird residual process afterwards that Iowa happened to benefit from for being like incredibly slow and bureaucratic people. (laughs) (laughs) So there wasn't really like a, a democratic primary type situation before 1968. It was primarily party insiders that selected the nominee for president. Like, it wasn't very transparent voting. It was like, there was a lot of insulation between like what the popular vote ostensibly was versus like who would end up being the candidate. It was very greased hands, backdoor type stuff. That all kind of exploded in 1968 and then led to some reforms afterwards that ended up with this like random vestigial limb of the Iowa caucus that is just like our little useless tail that hangs on (laughs) the asshole of America. (laughs) That's just like left high So going into 1968, things were already crazy um, because Bobby Kennedy was shot. Um, Lyndon B. Johnson decided not to run for re-election. Southern Democrats were mad. Yeah. <laughs> Very mad. Yeah. Like in George Wallace was a Democrat. Right. <laughs> but then also there started to be these like kind of radical elements rising in the party that could be kind of called the precursor to us. So what happened in 1968 is absolutely what I can see happening next year if things get really, really crazy. Like, stuff is a fucking tinder keg like it is at the time, like it is now, with, like, racial issues and, like, control of the party. And in 1968, the bad guys won, but I think this time the good guys can win. So... There was a candidate called Eugene McCarthy, which... Hero. Yeah. (laughs) So he's our, like, he's the candidate all of us would have supported. And he had the, like, hippie movement go through, uh, they do, call it getting clean for Eugene. And it's... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I heard about that. (laughs) Everyone just cut their hair and shaved their beards and got off drugs so that they could canvas for Eugene McCarthy. (laughs) Nice, dude. (laughs) (laughs) And then George McGovern was also okay. And so those were all the people running in the 68 convention. Outside the 68 convention, which was held in Chicago, there was the streets just descended into like absolute riot, grotesque chaos. Riots being an affectionate term. They were in the correct. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where, yeah, anti-war protesters camped outside of the convention and the, the big question was Vietnam. So like on the convention floor, there was a, they were voting on a peace plank and I saw 80% of Democratic voters in the primaries that year voted for anti-war candidates, but because it was so um, grease door, backroom, good old boys type party, they voted grease to door. support. <laughs> what? Okay, whatever. Fuck you. <laughs> I get anxious, so I'm slightly turned. No, I, I don't care. I was like, was... I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Please, please. Greased palms. Greased palms, yeah. 
And when they voted for a pro-war plank, protest just erupted outside of the arena. And the um, mayor had like a media blackout. So um, like right outside the doors of the convention center, they were like raining bullets on people, bludgeoning protesters to death, tear gassing big groups of people. It was led in part by some Black Panthers. So Bobby Seale is the really famous one out there. Um, who ended up getting arrested and there's like just some really really egregious racial stuff going on that they were just ignoring on the like floor of the actual democratic national convention Mm -hmm. (laughs) not much has changed right exactly so outside the scene of the convention is the cops literally beating protesters to death and arresting Black Panthers. And inside is all the lanyard class of the time literally beating each other up on the floor. So things just went to absolute shit. Oh, Cooper says Dan Rather got beat up on the floor of the (laughs) 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 Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. (laughs) People were brawling, and there was like like a big screaming match between George McGovern and Gloria Steinem with regard to abortion issues. I mean, it was just absolute chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an explosion of all the things that we see happening now. It was like black people within the party like rioting and then getting murdered by the police and again rioting as an affectionate term so it's just absolute chaos and people are furious and they got beat very very badly and everyone was on the side of the police in chicago so the the quote is um on the boys the in blue <laughs> yeah America decided the notoriously to uh, uncorrupt Chicago police. <laughs> yeah, that's really what happened. So it like put us on this wave of police pro police sentiment, and then the the energy of the party, like the us of the party, is very much like 2016, where it just was like totally stolen and rigged. So in response to um, this like chaos, is the Iowa caucuses. So they went through to try to make some like pro-democracy reforms because people were so angry and so one of the things was making the process more transparent and extending the nominating process so there would be the ability to kind of gain momentum and every state would be spread out instead of doing it all at the same time and they would like release vote totals and so all of these like kind of pro-democracy reforms and Iowa ended up first simply because they had the longest process. So if they wanted to separate it, they'd have to start months earlier. <laughs> like, so it was just like that that we kind of took too long. I have a side note from reading about the um, Democratic Convention in 68, which did you know, to know that uh, like Pig was a top six candidate? <laughs> Like nice. a literal pig. <laughs> so this is Pegasus. I have a quick quote about this. You can what? cut it if you want. I just think no, it's this funny. sounds this sounds great. <laughs> no, this will not get okay. cut. <laughs> so <laughs> fed up with the Democratic leadership's penchant for war, yippies protesting at the 1968 Democratic National Convention conceived their own solution: nominate a pig for president. Jerry Rubin and Abby Hoffman came up with the idea, named their candidate Pegasus the Immortal, and pledged, quote, they nominate a president and he eats the people. We nominate a president and the people eat him. Oh, that's <laughs> Pegasus- really good. Wow. <laughs> Pegasus the 
Immortals' presidential campaign may have been the shortest in recorded history. His chance to become leader of the free world ended abruptly when he, Ruben, and other members of the captain staff were arrested at the first press conference <laughs> in front of oh the arrested the pig. Oh, wow. <laughs> the pig was assassinated. <laughs> I feel like this is emblematic of what it was like, the precursors to us just nominated of pigs oh i was gonna say that sounds like it could happen today for sure just imagining the pig walking out of a building with his handlers and like there's like an assassin on an adjacent rooftop that just fucking wipes him out (laughs) and then we all enjoy they all enjoyed a nice meal (laughs) all the uh, agents put our bacon It's a good line. Like, they nominate a president, and he eats the people, and we nominate a president, and we eat It him. is a really good line. <laughs> it's a good line. So that's our our distinguished forebears. I believe that we are the heirs of the Pegasus, the immortal people. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now I'm going to read an article called Why is Iowa the First State to Vote? But you should, if you get a chance, you should kind of jump into reading about the convention because it was so crazy. And I think it's exactly possible that it could happen next year. Like, it's a very, very similar explosive situation. I mean, minus a couple assassinations, but like still. I don't know. It's still early. (laughs) That's true. Hopefully no one dies. Yes, hopefully no one dies. We like when people get beat up, but not die. (laughs) Now you like when people get beat up. (laughs) Now I like it. (laughs) Okay, why is Iowa the first state to vote? Since 1972, the Iowa caucus has been the first, and some argue most important, electoral test on the road to each party's presidential nomination. But how did it get that way? It started with the 1968 Democratic Convention. The read-up to the convention was tumultuous. The Vietnam War was in its 14th year, and both MLK Jr. and Robert Kennedy were assassinated in the spring, and Lyndon B. Johnson withdrew from the rage in March. Decided, wow, that's late. Deciding against seeking another term. That April, Hubert Humphrey, Johnson's vice president, jumped into the race. Humphrey's public support of Johnson, specifically regarding the Vietnam War, upset many anti-war protesters. While Democratic political leaders filed into the convention hall, protesters brutally clashed with police right outside its doors, with television broadcasting the political divide to the nation. Humphrey would go on to win the Democratic nomination, over George McGovern and Eugene McCarthy, despite not winning a single primary. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if, oh, you can see why this happened. Yeah, definitely. Highlighting for many the disparity between public opinion and the political process. So, eager to repair the damage from the 1968 primary campaign, Democratic Party leaders formed the McGovern-Fraser Commission. The commission's job was to improve the nomination process so voters would have a directly a say into who would be their nominee ensuring that party leaders would no longer work behind closed doors to manipulate the process. State party leaders had to give 30 days notice before hosting primaries or caucuses and encourage full participation. Iowa's long nominating process featuring four statewide events, which are absolute nightmares. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I made the mistake of getting elected to be a delegate to the county convention. Oh, no. Oh, my God. And then being on platform committee. Yeah, that's the worst. That's the worst. I will never, ever, ever make that mistake again. It was hell. Okay, don't get involved in your local Democratic <laughs> Party. It sucks. Don't get involved yeah. in politics. I, don't worry. <laughs> I may have some alternate advice later. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Okay, you should do it, but I don't have the tolerance for it. <laughs> 
Iowa's long nominating process featuring four statewide events, caucuses followed by conventions at the county, congressional, and state levels, combined with the 30-day notice required for events meant it needed a bit of a head start and an early slot on the voting calendar. So that's how it ends up the first time, and what really launches the Iowa caucus is Jimmy Carter. So the first candidate to draw the nation's attention to the Iowa caucus was Jimmy Carter in 1976. Carter's campaign had neither the visibility nor the money to compete in bigger state primaries earlier in the electoral system, so they put in a great effort to win Iowa. While many of Iowa's Democratic voters officially remained uncommitted, Carter's surprisingly strong finish provided much-needed momentum. Kind of similar to Sanders. And Obama. Yeah. Yeah. Carter was able to capitalize on the media attention he garnered to propel himself forward, ultimately winning the Democratic presidential nomination and the presidency. So it was sort of random that we end up first, and then it was used to such great effect for Jimmy Carter that it just became a model going forward. Well, and it's the media that really is the one that... Yeah. It's the narrative, you know? Yes, and it's it's narrative writing, absolutely. Ever since then, Iowa has remained a crucial proving ground for nearly every presidential candidate, but the state has a spotty record of picking the president. Oh, we never get it right, by the way. (laughs) Among Republicans since 1980, the winner of the Iowa caucuses has won the presidency just once, George W. Bush. Among Democrats, only Carter and Barack Obama won the caucuses and eventually captured the White House. But I um, honestly assumed it was more outwardly racist than it was that Iowa became the first state to vote. I thought it was an attempt to kind of buffer themselves against the influence of Jesse Jackson or, you know, but it it sounds like it's just kind of a random thing that happened that happened to, you know, also benefit white supremacy. Right. Well, yeah. And they got, you know, they got super delegates and all that. And Mm, yeah, though, I. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could talk about that later, but... We're in a very similar point in a battle for the party soul that we were in 1968. Oh, yeah, definitely. And ultimately, the, like, establishment won that time, but it was close, and I don't think the same thing is going to happen again, you know? Yeah, and there's plenty of parallels on the Republican side, too. Like, last year, uh, yeah, election, absolutely. was there was so much talk about a brokered convention or yeah, getting well, it real it was... strange, <laughs> which, I mean, it ended up pretty strange, but... <laughs> <laughs> not because it was split. Yeah, yeah not because it was split up, but <laughs> because they everyone just fell in line pretty easily, <laughs> pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think it'll be harder on our side. Yeah. To have oh, yeah. people fall in oh, line. Oh, definitely. Way harder. Mm-hmm. But I also think that we are the people who are willing to go in there and cause chaos to happen. And you know, I don't know. It, it's I find it kind of inspiring, even though it was obviously deadly and brutal, and the good people lost. Still, it's like, look at what they, the havoc they were able to wreak and how it led to reforms and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it just, it always ends up that the reforms benefit white people. And we really should change it. And we shouldn't be the first in the nation, even though I absolutely love it because I like it when people tell me I'm important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> attention to us, our little feels good. state I lo- with I love three million it. people <laughs> that love- just fly over. Yeah. <laughs> no one cares about us. Yeah. I love <laughs> Don't it have any big cities, <laughs> sports teams, nothing. <laughs> I love it when I'm in the newspaper. It's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love getting texts from all the, cam- all the candidates, too. It feels good. <laughs> they attention. reply right away. So... Let's talk about the actual process of caucusing, which is it's uh, the also dumbest thing, really the dumbest fun. part of our electoral process. 
It's so dumb. Did you know we didn't have a caucus for one single year and then declared it was too expensive to hold a primary and then went back to doing caucuses? That was in 1917. <sighs> Dang. Like, what? what is the cost? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> What does that mean? That does, that sounds that doesn't pass the smell test to me. <laughs> the smell test. Okay, now zoom forward to today. Yeah. All right. So I'm doing it. I'm zooming. Zoop. Since the caucus is coming up, the campaigns are sending out instructions, and Evan got an email from the state party <laughs> with like some caucus training. And I was excited to look at that. Oh, and yeah. Talk about it on uh, the, show. the subject line was conservative uncles. <laughs> <laughs> the Democratic Party, Iowa Democratic Party, has <laughs> the most insane email strategies. It's like oh, it's literally be Thanksgiving related. I, I, I assumed it was a plea for money. Like, oh, we're going to send you some clickbaity email, like, with like that. And then we're going to ask you for money. But no, it was conservative uncles and then talking about how. Everyone has a conservative uncle. Haha, ha. I'm not even going to make a joke. And then here's a link to our online caucus training portal. <laughs> <laughs> I got a five minute video sent to me from the Bernie campaign. And then I looked at the thing that Evan got. And it's a you have to make an account to get in there to oh, look at the I'm training. Out. And it is like. <laughs> It's nine <laughs> modules. And you have to oh, you have to take a, a quiz at the end of each one. <laughs> oh no! Boring as shit. So I threw it away. So <laughs> good job, Iowa Democratic Party. <laughs> yeah. The following are notes just from my own recollection and from stuff that the Bernie video reminded me of. If you go to berniesanders.com/iowa, you can put in your address and find your own caucus location. And you can watch the video where they provide you with a little information. Uh, what I want to tell you is caucusing sucks ass. But It sucks so bad. It does. Please. I remember it being really hot when I did it last time. <laughs> yeah. It was so hot. Please, if you are able to do it, please do it. Because if Bernie wins Iowa, we probably will win the whole thing. God yeah. willing. Inshallah. Yeah. Boy, wouldn't that be nice. All right. So first of all, if you are going to be eligible to vote... On November 3rd, 2020, in the general election, you are allowed to caucus. That includes even if you are 17 years old now. If you will be 18 by election day, you are eligible to caucus. The people running the caucus, they may not know that, so you may have to be insistent that you are allowed to caucus. If you happen to be a young person listening to this show, keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. So the caucus will start at 7 p.m., and they will lock you out after that. So don't show up late. Try to get there at like 6.30 or earlier. Mm -hmm. Which is really convenient for someone who may be taking a bus or work in the service industry or have kids or any of the things that young people, poor people, and brown people do. Yeah, the whole thing is really discouraging for a lot of people. But if you are able to do it, again, please do it. Yes, you should do it. All right, I have a little audio clip here from the Bernie video that I wanted to play for you guys. Iowa makes it really easy to caucus. You just need to be registered as a Democrat. Well, that was short. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so caucusing is easy. You just have to register as a Democrat. <laughs> yes, and show up to this Boo. building at a specific time. <laughs> However, Iowa, it's luckily one of the few states that actually makes it easy to do that. Yeah, we have a semi-open caucus. So you have to be registered as a Democrat, but you can do it at the caucus. So you can show up registered as an independent or not registered at all. Or as a Republican. Yep. You can change your registration to a Democrat and you can participate in the caucus. 
It's not hard. I've done it before. Like you literally just fill out a voter voter registration card. If anybody working at the caucus tries to stop you, raise a fuss, start a riot. You are allowed to <laughs> throw participate. a chair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So each campaign is kind of reliant on having a precinct captain at each caucus. Uh, if that's something that you feel up for doing, please get in touch with the Bernie campaign, especially if you live in a rural area, uh, because the more people we have trained and representing the campaign in a semi-official capacity, the better. The results of the caucus rely on individuals reporting from 1,681 different precincts. So think about how many of the people running each caucus will be Democratic Party hacks who hate us. <laughs> Yes. A non-significant, or, uh, you know, a significant portion. <laughs> yeah. So the more people we have, like, prepared who know what they're doing in the room, the better. Because if they start pulling some shady stuff, again, throw some chairs. And I, I just want to stress, like, the, the chaos element here. We're relying on reports from 1,681 locations. And this means that each person running each caucus has to be honest and competent for those results to be reported accurately. And I can tell you right now, they are not all honest and competent. <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh, it's the, the accuracy part is the, the bigger thing, I think. Because <laughs> it's just like, if you live in a large, like in Cedar Rapids, say, like you caucus in a large cafeteria for the large public high school. Yeah. And like, there's hundreds of people there. It's all split up. You have to hand count people <laughs> for each candidate, and uh, yeah. it, it's easy to get. And people switch parties or switch candidates rather, so it's insane. Right. When you first get there, you'll want to find your group, the Bernie people, and stand with them because it's about where you are <laughs> physically in the space. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing is so dumb, dude. I don't want to do it again. Yeah. It was awful. It's awful. I'm so glad that you're so inspirational, Justin, and I don't mean to be <laughs> negative because you're making you're making me feel empowered. Well, we got to be brutally honest about this process. Yeah, <laughs> like it's and, not. And the good thing is, even if it's undemocratic, it does help Bernie people because we're the most radical and the most willing to show up. Yes, and that's what really matters. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm sorry. Sorry. Ah. Uh, okay. No, you're so, good. You're it's good. good that it's undemocratic. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Um, so once once you've found your people, once everybody is like standing where they want to be, they do like an initial count of everybody. And if a candidate doesn't meet a certain threshold, they are not viable. And the people who are supporting them have an opportunity to go join another candidate instead. And I mean, even if your candidate is viable, you can also change to another if you are a weird person who wants to change your mind. Right. At the event. At, at the caucus. Yeah. <laughs> usually a lot of certain amount of time for you to try to convince. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to play a clip about that in a okay. second here. But I also want to mention they are adding one element to the caucus this year, uh, presidential preference cards. So they'll have a bunch of these things printed out and everybody's going to write down their candidate. So they will have some sort of record on paper. Hmm. So hopefully that will help with a little bit with like transparency and accountability yes there's no way that could go wrong at all <laughs> right yeah, yeah. I, I can't picture a way that this would backfire <laughs> it's better than it just relying on what someone witnessed and said to the party <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I having suppose. some paper record is better than nothing <laughs> okay here's another audio clip real quick the bernie precinct captain will also lead the efforts to convince supporters of other candidates to join the bernie group this is really important we want the Bernie group to be as big as possible. 
So be outgoing and talk to your neighbors about why you're supporting Bernie and why they should too. Assimilate. Join or die. Be outgoing and talk to your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> this is talking about this is make me want, making me want to do this less and less. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a necessary evil, just like you said. But uh, okay, story time. <laughs> First time oh, I ever caucused was twenty. Uh, 2008 for Obama. Hey, me too. Yeah, that's that's. I was full of hope right? and change. Yeah, I was 18, so I was full of hope and change. I was full of hope and change too. So much hope and change. Joe Biden was also running, if you all remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. To the right of Hillary Clinton. Uh, Cooper caucus for him. It's really important that you know that. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> well, I was gonna say yeah. one of my best friends was at the caucus uh, with his grandma, and his, he was like, "I want to vote for Obama, but my grandma is making me caucus for Biden." <laughs> 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 Which is some pretty good parallels to today, I think. <laughs> oh, for sure. My grandma's making me caucus for Biden. <laughs> but the good thing was that there was a tiny contingent of Biden folks, and they were assimilated into the Obama Borg, or at least my friend was and his grandma. <laughs> so it was there was a good a good ending, at least. Yeah. So basically, what's happening here is everyone who lives in this neighborhood is all in a room together. And you all see who everyone is voting for. There's no secret ballot here. You're all seeing each other. And in some communities, that is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, you don't want everyone to know who you voted for. So that's just another way that the caucus depresses turnout. But again, if if being outgoing and talking to your neighbors is something that you feel up to the challenge, uh, please go to the caucus and do that because... Most of us are not comfortable putting that kind of effort in the. I can, I can do it. I will do it. I'll get. I'll complain about it every step of the way, but ultimately, I'm I'm very outgoing and really like. Oh yeah, you'd be great it. at it. I I could do I could do it. I'm just afraid of like I'd lash out at people like I fucking like. <laughs> This stuff's important oh, man. to me, and like these people don't Dude, fucking get it. Imagine there is the other caucus like, experience I had like, was in 2016, <laughs> where it was uh, at a church and it was pews on left and right side, and the left side all Bernie, right side all Hillary, like very even. And then there was symbolism. Yeah, there was probably like ten or five undecided people, and it was just like people screaming at them and then i think they just went home <laughs> they were like they were like why would you show Never up to mind. the caucus and i i had none of those people when i went in 2016 there was nobody there that was undecided when i was when i caucus like yeah why would you what kind of psycho just shows up and is like let's let these people convince me who to caucus for like it's fucking actually i can tell a you lot of people there's do. a strategy i know there. that's a thing that's a yeah. thing people do it i know someone who does it there's a strategy there um at ours, we had like about 300 people show up, and there were, I think, seven people who were either uh, pretending to support O'Malley or undecided. <laughs> <laughs> pretending to support <laughs> And basically, they, they show up, they say they're undecided for the first round, and then they kind of hold out for uh, delegate positions. It's like, oh, I'll, oh, I'll come support your candidate if you guys promise to elect me as a delegate. Oh, my God. Oh, why would you want to be a delegate? I'm going to be a (laughs) delegate for a candidate I don't really even support that much. (laughs) Because I like to be the boss of stuff. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) This is the Democratic Party, the people who really want to be involved in it. (laughs) 
while, but they don't actually, they just care about elevating themselves. That's amazing. Weird, weird people. So once, uh, once everybody is realigned and they've got a sort of final count, that's when you know how many delegates each candidate will get for the conventions that happen later. And there will be an actual election where each campaign or the voters for each candidate will select a person to be a delegate for their campaign. In my experience, this is just, again, absolute chaos. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of like... It's insane. A few people at random end up being delegates. Also very subject to rounding errors. (laughs) Like... Yeah. This is kind of like so unscientific as a way to actually elect people. Because there's so many places in the chain for (laughs) the results to get fucked up. Yeah. It's like playing telephone. It literally is like playing telephone because you have to call in the results. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you are not elected as a delegate, you can also sign up as an alternate, and I would encourage you to do so. The county conventions will be March 21st of 2020. The district convention will be April 25th. The state convention will be June 13th, and the DNC National Convention is July 13th through 16th. Uh, Even if you know you won't be able to make all those dates, which very few people will end up at the National Convention, but um, Mm -hmm. the more more people the Bernie campaign has on this list of alternate delegates, um, the more likely we'll fill all the seats at each convention. Uh, And if our people don't show up to fill delegate seats, the party will absolutely, definitely rat fuck us out of... The nomination okay. and, you know, like, platform planks, etc. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> I can't believe that I'm saying that because of the fucking hell I went through with the, the year of the governor's election, but it's fine. <laughs> oh, that, that was an off year, too, so that's probably even worse. <laughs> it, was, it was so bad. Yeah. It was so bad. It was a poor decision on my part, but I could do it for Bernie. Right. <laughs> I went through the district conventions in 2016, and it is a slog. I was there for like 12 hours. Yep, me too. Uh, That sucks. I mean, I can gain for 12 hours. I can probably (laughs) do that for 12 hours, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But again, like the longer you can hold out, the better, because that means like the Bernie campaign gets more of its stuff through. It's it's an endurance (laughs) battle, basically. (laughs) Uh, So is there anything in the process that you guys think I missed in that little summary? Because I do have a a question from a listener that I'll address next. Uh, no, I can't really. Not that I know. Not that I caught, no. Think of anything. Basically, show up on time. Hopefully, the Bernie campaign will have somebody sort of in charge of our camp. Oh, there is the the coin flip thing. (laughs) That last year where the one precinct was tied dead even between Bernie and Hillary. And they, I guess the caucus rules say that you flip a coin to determine (laughs) who gets the extra delegate or whatever. Because it's no. because they had an odd number of delegates, so they couldn't split it up evenly. So they had to flip right. a coin to determine who gets the last delegate. And of course, Hillary won. <laughs> I hate this shit, dude. <laughs> this is the dumbest. If a coin flip happens at your caucus, make sure you see it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Get your camera because phone out. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a kook or anything, but the Clinton <laughs> campaign won a statistically unlikely number of coin flips in the 2016 caucuses. <laughs> wow, dude. This is depressing. Aww. I'm sad now. So they so they did try to reform it this year. <laughs> uh, the Iowa Democratic Party submitted a proposal to the national DNC in, I believe, March of this year. Yeah, our listener questions actually oh, okay. about that. Oh, cool. Great. 
Well, I just read about that. Uh, I posted on Facebook uh, like 12 hours ago asking if people had questions about the caucus because I was very prepared. (laughs) (laughs) And listener Ben Sparrow, he asked about online... (laughs) No way! Is he a friend of yours? (laughs) Yeah, he was my student advisor in high school. Not his real name. Oh, nice. (laughs) Not his real name. But yeah, he's my student advisor in high school. He uh, spoke at my graduation. Nice. Yeah. Well, he asked about an online or absentee option for the caucus. This would, of course, be relevant for... Venue accessibility for anybody who has mobility issues or anyone who happens to maybe be out of town or working during the caucus. These are people who apparently the Democratic Party does not want to be involved with the nomination process. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. (laughs) Yeah. Evan, you were just reading about the proposal. Do you want to tell us about that a little bit? Right. So the Iowa Democratic Party made a proposal for a teleconference style virtual caucusing where you would call into a number you'd you know verify your date of birth and have some sort of pin that you would use to authenticate yourself and then (laughs) the the actual proposal is also very stupid because the way it works was that only 10 percent of the possible delegates would be able to be distributed because of the virtual caucus so basically no matter how many people actually called in they would only still be at 10% maximum amount of delegates who are going to be determined that way. So like your vote still literally counts less. Yeah. The Democratic Party stalled like the Iowa Democrats tried to get like immediate review of it and I think Nevada also which is the only other early state that has uh caucuses yeah. uh, also did a similar proposal, but they stalled and I don't think they reviewed it until July and they turned it down apparently. They had concerns about, like, hacking, uh, cybersecurity, the Russians, you know, uh. <laughs> Trump fans calling in. <laughs> like, <laughs> who knows what the reasoning was, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that didn't happen. And the, also, we could switch to a primary. However, in doing so, we would almost certainly lose our first-in-the-nation status. So no one wants to do that, of course, because apparently... New Hampshire has a state law that says that if any state moves ahead of them that has a primary, then they can change the date, basically, which I don't understand how that works, how it's a New Hampshire state law, but it's for, like, the Democrat. Yep. Like, it doesn't make any sense at all. We have a state law, too, that says we yeah. have to be Oh, the first that is caucus. true. But, like, yeah. oh, that God. seems like we... Whose jurisdiction weirdly... is that? <laughs> like... Yeah, the states can just pass laws <laughs> saying what their role in the nomination process is. Right. <laughs> So we could switch, but then we would lose our special status. And so we can't do that. So I guess we're at a stalemate. Right. So the the DNC rejected the virtual caucus by phone thing for, quote, security reasons. <laughs> sure. So the, the Iowa Democratic Party made a plan B, which the DNC has approved. Uh, this is for satellite caucus locations. So you could apply to the party to set up a caucus at a different location, but I believe it still has to take place at the same time as the rest of the caucuses. Oh, really? I believe it does. Dang, I was going to say, if they set it up so you could have a satellite caucus like at a different time, then that would be ideal, I think. I think it's just a venue change. It has to be the That's same time. That's so as ridiculous. Far as, as far as I could tell. Uh, but the deadline to apply was November 18th, so we're already past that. Uh, I would have mentioned it on the show had I been aware of it, but mm. too late now. Yeah. And the... Iowa Democratic Party is supposed to release a list of these alternate locations by December 18th. Yeah, still. Over a month before. (laughs) Like, you still have to plan this out, like, three months in advance. Yep, exactly. So, if 
for some reason your caucus location has accessibility issues, maybe there will be an alternate location, but you still got to show up at the same time, unfortunately. And the only reason the party doesn't allow just absentee ballots to be submitted is because that would make it too close to a primary and it might piss off New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have that. <laughs> Yeah, there's like a whole thing about like the legal distinction between different types of <laughs> of primary. It's so stupid. So sadly, there isn't really an absentee option, uh, which is worse than I thought. I thought there were actually absentee ballots, but I guess not at all. That's just horrible. It's absolutely horrible. I have a confession to make, which is relevant here. Um, in 2008, I went to the Republican caucus. <laughs> uh, Traitor! Not because no, I not for who you think. <laughs> not because I was a Republican, but um I was sort of just an apathetic teenager. I was in a an American government class and we could get extra credit for going to a caucus. I offered to go to the Republican caucus because everyone <laughs> else in the class actually wanted to vote for Obama and I was just like a shithead and didn't care. <laughs> You're a shithead yeah. but also an apple polisher who wanted extra credit. <laughs> 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 Interesting. <laughs> Uh, so I, I accompanied my father to the Republican caucus. An interesting thing there is they had ballots at theirs. <laughs> they didn't have to like stand in different corners of the room. Everyone just sat at mm-hmm. tables and filled out a ballot. Yeah, they actually have totally different Sounds rules, I think. <laughs> oh, why can't we do that? I like to do the opposite of that, where like my body is the ballot and standing in a corner or standing around a table is the ballot box. Oh my god. And it has to be in a high school gym yeah. with the radiators on as high as possible. I cannot wait to see the Pete people do the dance in person. Oh, dude. Oh, I'm excited no. for that. That's going to be something else the first time I get to actually lay eyes upon that. Because <laughs> it is it is kind of like a pep rally kind of atmosphere. The like awfulness of bringing small children to the caucuses can't oh, possibly yeah. be overstated. <laughs> and we need... You're not we taking... Need you have to. What else are you going to do? Are you taking your kid to the caucus? What the fuck else do I do? You just leave him at home. <laughs> <laughs> just leave him at home. Let home. the dog watch Cooper and Natalie are at the caucus. Scott's <laughs> <laughs> just got full of the house. <laughs> um, the, in 2016, when we caucus for Bernie, I was like baby wearing, so I had her strapped on me, and I was standing for hours, <laughs> oh, and the two of us sweated so heavily that it was like liquid between our bodies just, yeah it was just awful like and she she was crying and i had to get a bunch of bernie stickers and play with them and just like oh it was awful <laughs> so they really they really need to consider some kind of child care or just Ooh, that is a good idea i think some of them do have that but again it's like up to individuals to organize that yeah it's like like it would just be it would be really great because you could talk to people if there was like i don't know and then i didn't want to get like a babysitter that i wanted that person to also be caucusing like (laughs) you know damn i regret saying that i didn't think about all these factors as a childless adult (laughs) (laughs) when i went in 2016 there was a cnn camera crew there and uh law correspondent hottie pamela brown was also there nice and uh, i talked to her a little bit about bernie because we were like the only young people there me and my sister <laughs> and uh yeah i guess they uh video like i said they videotaped the people yelling at each other trying to get this poor little woman to to vote for bernie or hillary <laughs> and she was just like like Man, i don't no. have to do that and then when we were walking out like this <laughs> 
we left like as soon as we possibly could because we didn't stick around for like the who's going to be the delegate stuff. <laughs> this other family was like, we are never doing that again. Like that was the <laughs> worst thing. <laughs> like that sucks so much. <laughs> and yeah, it's so hot and sweaty. Like just sitting at like, I don't know. Th- that was a lot smaller. It wasn't like the other one, like I said, was at a cafeteria, but this is just a little church and there's probably like 200 people crammed into it. Just fucking gross. But you got to do it. We're going to have good, I'm going to have good it. attitude. Do it for us. It's important. Yeah, do it for us. <laughs> do it for your you. friends. <laughs> do it for your future. Do it for yourself. Do it for your friends. Do it for your family. Bernie is my family. <laughs> Bernie's my Not daddy. Not me, us. We're all family. <laughs> do you guys want to know who I voted for in the 2008 Republican caucus? <laughs> let me yeah. guess. Nope. Let me guess. Um, Ron Paul. Uh-huh. Ron Paul. I considered it, but no. <laughs> oh, really? Who, yeah. Let's let's. Who was running it? I mean, I know. I think I know who won. But Huckabee won. Okay, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He won in two thousand six, twelve, and sixteen too, didn't he? He won no, twice. I think he only won the no. once. Oh, okay. No, because Ted Cruz. Won. Oh, okay. yeah. Two thousand twelve, I think, was Rick Perry. Really? Because Huckabee was on uh, Fox News playing his bass. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Okay, I want to look up. Um, 2008. Yeah, let me look to hold on. Caucus and try and figure out who you voted for. I mean, I already guessed, so I guess it was. Yeah, wrong, we all went for Ron Paul. Though. There was a very passionate Ron Paul supporter who spoke before everyone, and I was I was proud of him. <laughs> Fred Thompson. <laughs> Fred Thompson. <laughs> oh, I forgot he was. Rest running. in peace. Yeah. Uh, John McCain. No, not McCain. Mitt Romney. Now we're just guessing everybody. I'm pretty sure I voted for Mitt Romney <laughs> because the very progressive of you. The way people yeah. were talking about him was like he was pro-choice, mm-hmm. and so he was like he was like <laughs> the most reasonable person. Yeah, running, that's from what, what I, I said. Very posture. <laughs> he was Romney care, dude. Hey, Romney care. Remember? Yeah, he he is you know deep blue Massachusetts. I think was John Huntsman running in two thousand eight. Oh man. He would have been, yeah. No. I don't think he was. I think he was 2012. He was 2012 because I liked it. He didn't run in 2008. I don't think so. No. Maybe I'm thinking of Thompson. No, I'm looking. At, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I do remember Thompson yeah. was like almost top tier candidate. No, he didn't run. Giuliani ran. <laughs> yes, he did. Oh yes. Giuliani. Oh yeah, right. he ran right. the strategy of not uh, even trying to win Iowa or New Hampshire, <laughs> yeah. and just going Which for like strategy. Super Tuesday, like high pop, big population <laughs> states. That seems to be the. The New York mayor uh, yeah. strategy. Yeah. <laughs> Bloomberg oh, is doing man. the same. This I don't year. think Bloomberg has any actual intentions of winning. I think he he wants to muddy the waters. <laughs> and, yeah, clearly. And uh, attack Warren, basically. I don't even, I, yeah. I don't know if maybe Sanders too, but I, I still, it doesn't even feel like people are taking him seriously in the media class. But they should. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather they not. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing <laughs> if it means we just get to roll on through. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been going for about an hour and twenty. I think we should save this article for next time, Natalie. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. Well. So next next time we're going to be talking about the richest man in Iowa. So look forward to that, everybody. Spoiler alert: It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Not any of us. Someday. <laughs> Someday. Iowa does have a billionaire. We learned Iowa does have a billionaire, and he does also fucking suck, <laughs> but in a really, in a really funny way. So look forward to it. Oh, I thought you said fuck and suck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think that's what she said. Anyways, guys, see you hey, next week. We could be the next Iowa billionaires if you give us money. That's true. <laughs> 
<laughs> Someday they'll write articles like this about us. <laughs> and, and we'll be saying, um, you know, I'm not really sure about Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax. <laughs> Uh yeah, maybe I'll start a Patreon this week. You want to do that? <laughs> I yeah, mean, give us money. Hell yeah! <laughs> All right, so yeah, do it. Fuck if it. If you go to Patreon.com/slash/RockHardCaucus, <laughs> that will probably exist by the time this episode is up. If you got cash burning a hole in your pocket and and you you like our show, we could use a little bit of money. We've made nothing from this so far. <laughs> oh. We've actually, uh, we're at a net loss right now with the SoundCloud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And of course, the time capital. Help us pay for our SoundCloud account. Uh, help me recoup a little bit of yeah. money from the time I spend working on the show. Uh, and just all the effort we put in, you know. Yeah, a little effort. <laughs> help me recoup some of the money from giving money to Bernie. You know, fill my yeah. fill my pockets yeah, back and up. and stick it to Ray Gun. <laughs> Everyone likes to stick it to Ray Gun. You can do that by donating to us. <laughs> Uh, something I do want to do as sort of a Patreon reward goal is once we hit a certain amount of money, I would like to read and review Joseph Dobrian's novels. <laughs> if that's something you want to experience, consider giving us a little bit of money. <laughs> yeah. Dude, we could do a book club. Yeah, the Dobrian corner. We could do a book club and then record our uh, our commentary discussion. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds horrible. Let's do it. <laughs> and then we could do other books that are not Joseph Dobrian. Oh, God. There's so many possibilities. There are, yeah. Okay, well, have a good week, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Small Business Saturday. Happy yeah. Cyber Monday. It'll probably be too late, but... <laughs> yeah. Get ready to caucus. Please do it. I know it's terrible, but we have to win, or we won't win everything, you know? Yeah. It's all or nothing. You got to do it. I can talk to my neighbors. I'm good at that. I hate it, but I'm good at it, and you should do it too. You don't have to talk to people when you're there, (laughs) but if you can just be in a room for like a couple hours, it'll be uncomfortable, but please, we have to win. (laughs) Yeah, it's very important. I am bringing a Kindle and plugging my kids' headphones into it and just turning her off switch and <laughs> you can do it too. <laughs> Just sit there for a couple hours. All right. See you later, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> I'll miss you all. Bye. If you love your country and the things for which it stands, vote for Jean McCarthy and bring peace to this our land. It robs us of the honor that our country's known before. When we will not pursue a peace to end an unjust war. We are all responsible for what's done in this war. Democracy means we can decide that's what our vote is for if you love